So my idea was then to, okay, all this information that is online, how can we scrape that and package it and tell it to people so they don't have to, uh, they don't have to read it themselves and they don't have to choose it themselves. Oh yeah, so you curate? Exactly. So, so my idea, the idea, the, which is called Storical, uh, bought the domain today. Uh, <laughs> it's the start of something big. Hey, my name is Innocent Maginga, and you're listening to the Learnability Podcast. For individuals seeking growth, we've created this open-ended exploration into our ability and desire to learn. I guess you could call it a combination of what we know and how we learn. So in conversation with individuals, either speaking from experience, belief, or science, we seek to find answers to how to navigate and win in this information age. In today's episode, we're talking to a dear friend of mine, Pontus Carlson. Pontus is a 26-year-old business management consultant at Santigo. And this is actually the first episode I recorded. I was thinking, okay, so I've never done a podcast. Who would I like to test this out with? Pontus was the perfect guy. We have these type of conversations daily. So this is us podcastifying that type of conversation. If I hypothetically was to start, a, let's say, EdTech company, hint, hint, Pontus would be on the top of my list of people to get on board. And I will be looking to have Pontus back. It was a few months ago to follow up this conversation and see where we stand today on some of these questions. And also, like we always do, look forward to the future. I hope you enjoyed this conversation because I know we did. Pontus and I met how many years ago? I think it was four years ago now. We met in Yun Shopping when we opened a store. I was doing retail back then, and we opened our fifth store in uh, the lovely city of Yun Shopping. And what were you doing there? I was studying uh, business back then, and I was running uh, a big event called Spring Inspiration, which is an annual fashion show arranged by the students of Yun Shopping uh, University. Which we participated in, and uh, you did a really good job arranging that. Thank you very much. What role did you have in, in, in that uh, arrangement? So uh, it is an annual event where uh, there are two project managers and I was one of them uh, together with my friend Sylvia, who was very, very driven and, and, uh, and good to work with. My role was uh, perhaps to be the more creative person of us and she was the, the engine, so to speak. She was the one arranging with all the sponsors while I was um, handling more the... Uh, I would say the output in terms of marketing and, and uh, the concept of the actual event. So you were studying business? I was studying business. Uh, it was our second year. So I'd studied one year before that. Um, it was a lot of work. Uh, so parallel to working full time, I suppose most of the people involved in this project spent at least 15 hours per week. So it was a lot of work, but it was definitely worth it. And I was going to ask, did you um, extract or receive anything uh, concrete or solid from it? I think for most people that was involved in that project, it was the first thing that you did uh, where there were no other people telling you how to do it and when to do it and who to contact and, and, uh, and so on and so forth. Every single thing that was on that stage or every contract that we wrote with 
uh, sponsors and stores. We had to we had to um, design ourselves. Figure it out. We have to figure it out exactly, and I think that was a big revelation for me uh, in terms of if you just do something, it will exist, and if and if you don't do anything, it won't exist. Like so, your ideas have no intrinsic value, and I think that has shaped my outlook on the, especially my professional life. And uh, for me, it was also, you know, being being in the, the local radio, uh, printing, you know, posters for the event, selling tickets, making sure that you have all the bank accounts set up, all those small things that eventually just leads up to I think it was 850 people you know it was Miriam Bryant on stage the industry by Innocent Mugenga was, <laughs> was showing off the show was really good for us Young Shopping really received us as a, as a store as a concept as entrepreneurs like no other city or other place has done it was amazing and that show was a good way for us to show off, basically, yeah. yeah. And the store was first of a kind, I would say, in Yen Shopping. Yeah, it was, uh, it was special. Uh, we had 2,000 square meters and... Uh, 1,000 or 2,000? 1,000. 1,000. 1,000 each. I, um, and then Best of Brands had a location next to us, and together we had 2,000. And our concept was just... It was really fun building it. Mm. So after business school, you when did you move to Stockholm? Because we met there, yeah, and then we met again in Stockholm. So, so I moved to Stockholm um, one year, uh, two years ago now. Uh, after dropping out, I I don't know if I would say drop out, but I I changed my uh, education path from a four year program to a three year program, and then I had to write my thesis while working parallel uh, full time at a digital agency. And you picked uh, Brittany, right? Exactly. So I was I was first on exchange in Paris, and then I was on exchange in Milan. And when I was in Milan, I figured I don't want to move back to Yonchopping. I want to go to a capital because I want to live this life, uh, full speed, uh, interesting people. Um, so I decided that I will apply for work uh, or jobs. And then I found a job at uh, Crutway, which is a friend of ours, Adrian Swartz, exactly. So there I found a job um, as an executive assistant and I had no idea uh, what would that mean for me and, uh, and so on and so forth. But I figured I love relations and I believe that if you, if you, can, um, if you can change other people's life, you can change your life. Uh, so my take then was that if I, if I work as an executive assistant, I will be put in very interesting uh, very interesting rooms and I will learn a lot very quickly, um, which I did and I'm very, very happy for. That seems to be your method, like not your method, your, your personality. You're very open and approachable and the way you moved from uh, Paris to Milan and you didn't want to go back, you seem like a people person really. Mm. And um, you give a lot of love and the love comes right back at you. Is that the best way you learn from interactions and people or is it a combination of that and what you do uh, behind closed doors reading or whatever yeah i think it's um it is the absolute most effective way for me to to learn uh and so if i meet 
some a person, which I know is very good in a specific field, uh, I always try to drain all their insights from this field. Because it saves me time, and people love talking about their own interests, which uh, makes them like me more, and I like them more, of course, as well, because they teach me something. So we both have a very meaningful conversation, and on this then, if it is interesting and I want to learn more, then of course I would go home and read about it. But I think it's, I think my take on that is that no matter what subject it is, I want to explore it, because if I haven't explored it, I don't know if I'm interested in it. Uh, so it doesn't matter who I'm talking to, if it's uh, someone uh, riding horses or if it's someone running a startup or if it's whatever. There is, we're put on this planet with this brain and we have to fill it with knowledge. Well said and to add on that is that even if I learn something that seems completely random, you mentioned horses, mm. it might be something that I can add or there might be a logic to what I learned about these forces that I might apply to something else. And I love that. So open-mindedness, is that maybe the, the underlying or if you should put a term on it? Yes. Uh, I think my take is something like this. Nothing is impossible to learn. And we have just focused our time on different uh, things. And then if someone has focused 10,000 hours on horses and someone else has focused 10,000 hours on, on programming, that doesn't mean that programming is more interesting. I don't know how to put it, but it's like uh, you can be an expert within various fields and it's not up to me to define what is more or less interesting. Or valuable, maybe? Yeah, or valuable, perhaps, exactly. The market would say that, and, and then I would suppose programming is more valuable right now, but... Uh, but it can still be equally usable, the information you extract from the 10,000 hours yeah, that a person has. Yeah, or the individual, at least, is uh, as interesting. Uh, it is the same drive that makes someone uh, do 10,000 hours of horseback riding as it is someone that does 10,000 hours of programming. Uh, so... I'm very interested in, in the individuals, and if, you, and if you can dedicate yourself to one subject for that many hours, I always get amazed, uh, no matter what subject it is. What do you think that drive is, the drive you're talking about? I think, I, I, I really think it's very different between people. Because I, I suppose some people do it because they lack something. Uh, they want attention, they want to uh, get acceptance from maybe their parents or their friends or whatever it is. Uh, it could also be that they want to reach a state of perhaps then financial freedom uh, that they haven't experienced when they were younger. Um, but the ability to, to, um, to do that, I think, lies in all of us. Uh, and we just have to channel that energy or find our, as Simon Sinek would say, our why. And I think not until you've found that you will be able to really dedicate yourself. And it doesn't have to be that I want to change the world, but I have to find something that drives me. Exactly. I have to find a purpose with this. Doing anything really or 
doing anything for 10,000 hours or life in general is hard. Mm. So with that why, in the hard times, it becomes more easy to uh, stick to it. So basically, finding your why. Yeah. Uh, that's like the, the main drive. Yeah, because uh, I, I spoke to my friend about this actually today over a coffee and we talked about, I talked about that how I have, to, I said, I have to start doing this and I have to start doing that. Uh, and he said, uh, why do you have to do that? And I hadn't thought about that. And then not until you ask that question a couple of times, you land in, okay, perhaps I want to, I want to be a better friend. Uh, and to be a better friend, I have to... Um, clear my mind every now and then by meditation or by working out in the morning you know something that but if i only say i have to start meditating and i don't meditate it will be very stressful it's so easy to um the first thing that comes to mind mm. to think that that's the truth yeah. but if you think about it a little bit further it's probably step three of of uh, the answer like the first answer to meditating is because yeah i heard it's nice yeah exactly i have this app i got this app and then you think about it more uh, but w when in my life do i feel like i need meditation okay well on mondays suck let's say i hate mondays and that makes my week bad and then the third answer why does monday suck and you might find out i don't like my job actually <laughs> and then you've gotten deeper with okay i need to start meditating i might need to switch jobs i need to yeah mm -hmm. find my why basically please excuse the sound quality on my side i i move around a lot when i talk and we were using these wearable microphones back to your journey so um what did you take from that experience and what are you doing today? When I was there, I saw that uh, there are great ideas, but it's very hard to take them in, in, in Britain's perspective than to, to, to take them further. Yeah. Uh, because we were in this, like, uh, our position was this innovative um, digital agency. So I, I, I met with, uh, at a mingle with the uh, people from Santigo. Uh, so Tigo is a Swedish management consultancy firm and their thing is like we work cross-functional to deliver good projects basically. And that's what I had realized and that if you, if you really need to, if you really want to change something, you have to ensure that many functions are part of the journey. So I joined Santigo and my pitch there was uh, that I was coming from, you know, this facilitation, digital creative agency world which many, many management consultancy firms want to learn from because their processes are more static, I think, than they are in, in the digital agency world, which has more, you know, the lean methodology and, and those things. We've been talking throughout these years, uh, bouncing ideas off each other, and that's uh, really how I think. It, I think that's the strength of our relationship. Like we're we're uh, very curious and like bouncing ideas off. Um, tell me a little bit about your latest idea or startup or like. Yeah. Venture, so. So if I want to share. Yeah, I, I want to share. Um, last fall, I listened a lot to a podcast called. Um, everything you want to know in five minutes. And this podcast was one of the most popular podcasts in Sweden. 
So I figured, okay, people want to learn stuff. Uh, they want to learn stuff quickly while they're in the elevator, while they're on their way to the car, whatever it might be. The supply of these services are uh, is a bit low, uh, and right now how we how we uh, consume information is through Omni in Sweden and and different articles uh, where you have to read and you have to find uh, what you find interesting, etc. While this other podcast that was very popular, they just told you, okay, here is a podcast, everything you need to know about uh, Jean Paul Sartre or um, sustainability or whatever it might be. So my idea was then to, okay, all this information that is online, how can we scrape that and package it and tell it to people so they don't have to, uh, they don't have to read it themselves and they don't have to choose it themselves. Oh yeah, so you curate exactly. So so my idea, the idea the which is called Storical, uh, Ooh, bought the domain today. Uh, it's the start of something big. Exactly. <laughs> the idea is that you exactly you scrape. Uh, relevant content for you. You uh, put text to speech, yeah. which yeah. is uh, is following the trend today that we see. Like you were talking about, you have the short periods where you want to fill it with information, but it's not as practical to read, like you said. So it's, no, uh, yeah, exactly. It, it is also it's also if you want to go like more towards voice. If you if you check like how people consume or talk to their devices, perhaps. It's more voice, you know, you, you want to listen, Alexa, how's the weather? You don't want to look at your phone to know those things, uh, read me the latest news, et cetera, et cetera. So if you can be, if you can be the number one um, app for how you consume articles through voice, yeah. then you have a huge market and huge potential. Uh, I also want to incentivize learning uh, in how... In, in, and learning in terms of that you actually consume information. Uh, you consume articles. Uh, so the, the idea is basically you tell us what you want to learn and we teach it to you. Uh, yeah, exactly. We feed you with information. Here's five minutes about AI. And then you have a playlist uh, which is curated on the most trending articles in that subject. And uh, all of a sudden, you are a lot wiser without even having uh, putting effort into it no effort at all and that's okay. what i love about podcasts uh audiobooks but i'm missing the like it's like your answer the short format yeah like i have a few minutes here let me consume something about this topic <laughs> or give me something about something you know because that's the the lovely thing about ai and you know what i'm interested about yeah. just give me something i don't know what just give me something i like Exactly. And there is also a very interesting uh, podcast with uh, Alexander Bald, where he talks about curation and how the biggest players on the web are the ones that understood, okay, the internet will be filled with information. How the F are we going to navigate this? Uh, in comes Google, in comes YouTube, in comes, you know, all these curation platforms which basically only takes the information that is available online and and feeds it to the uh, the person that needs it so if i if i want to find a store i ask google and they they show me the store and they know where you are which is exactly. the closest store they might know some preferences and he, he takes a very interesting reference to to how museums have been 
working for the last couple of hundred years, you know, the same there. Tons of art in this world. We take the best art and we put it in this museum and then we take a fee for people walking in here to look at it. So it's the same business model, but the information overload is an extreme now. Um, and the art overload is perhaps not as extreme. What's made easy to consume today mm. is a lot of social media. It's mm. curated. It's your friends. Mm. Here are my friends. It's curated in that way. So I think it's so easy to fall into that because mm. that's close to us. But if we can find tools that actually try to work with us mm. and use uh, AI to work with us and for us, mm. we can make that information consumption as easy. And that's actual education mm. instead of just consuming nothing, which we do most of the time. On social media. Yeah. On social media. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I think my... The problem I have with this idea is uh, mainly that uh, uh, we will only keep uh, learning about fields that we are interested in. Uh, yeah. uh, but because the, the first idea that I had with this and that I think is so genius with this, uh, everything you need to know in five minutes, yeah. is that he, t he gives you a subject uh, and, and you don't pick uh, because that expands your knowledge span. So if he tells me five minutes about Jean-Paul Sartre, then I will spend perhaps many, many hours reading his books or whatever it might be. But if I would tell him, okay, can you tell me something about AI? Or can you tell me something about uh, um, this um, movement or religion or country or whatever it might be? Then it will only confirm my bias. And we love that. Definitely. But you know this, mm. and as the developer of this, mm. it's a good that you brought it up. Mm. You have the opportunity to build that in because yeah. you know that this happens. So every five pieces of content that I give you mm. will be the opposite opinion of what you're mostly interested in. Yeah. I think that's important and that should be as a consumer appreciated. Yeah. I need to know the other side as well. Don't you think you have the power as the... Um, as the maker, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And we have discussed this, and uh, and we have a, a couple of different hypotheses that we will test. And uh, the first time that we will test is um, basically that you don't choose. You can of course search, uh, but it is curated uh, playlists. So randomly? No, not randomly. Like so, they will be topic specific. Okay, so here are eight minutes about AI and then maybe there are four articles uh, which is trending in that field mm. or here are here are 10 minutes about uh, wine or here are eight minutes about uh, Marrakesh you know it can be it could be anything because I think as you're mentioning there is a problem right now with this recommended for you yeah. trend because I don't want this world to be ignorant I hate ignorance, and, but, but the problem, uh, I mean, I suppose that in the definition of ignorance, I have chosen not to learn about something, but I think it's not chosen. I don't even know that I don't know. Uh, and not until I know that, oh, here is a field of knowledge that I haven't even experienced. Uh, let me go and pick the, um, the blossoms. What you could say to that is that the developers today of the apps and features that give us the information hasn't taken responsibility. But at the end of the day, their main target is to give you what you want and they know what you want and feed you with that. So they can argue that they're not doing anything wrong. But to that point, 
what if you open up and show the people? What if Facebook uh, showed me mm. my interests? This is what we give you and this is why. They're sitting on it on the other mm. side. So with this app that you have, you will know that this person, um, because you want this person to like the app and stay in the mm. app. So if the person changes the track, you know that this was not a good track and you will remove that type of content. And from that, you will get data of preferences and, and you can put it in nice uh, graphics mm. and present that. Mm. I don't think any app presents it. This is your interest. Mm. And this is why we're showing you this. Mm. Like, this is why we're giving you the other side. Yeah, that's uh, very this is your bias. Mm. That is very interesting. But, but I think most people know uh, what they are interested in, but they don't know what they're missing. So, so I think if, if I would, if I have my, I know uh, New York Times did that during the election, that they had two different feeds. They showed two different feeds of Hillary voters and Trump voters uh, to prove that, uh, of course, we can't talk to each other. We consume completely different information. You say this about gun laws and you say this about gun laws. Uh, when we meet, we cannot, uh, we cannot agree because we have so different input. But if, if exactly, it becomes, it becomes a true, I am a bit, I don't really like that word though. We, we have different, uh, we have different views, uh, I think, because to me, I think if you use the word truth too much, it's very easy to keep using that and say, oh, well, that's your truth. Okay, because yeah. there's only one truth. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a view. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I think because uh, otherwise it's very easy to start to question old factually proven truths uh, with that argument. Um, but we, we get very different views of how this world works. And for a, for a person, the difference between a view and a truth is uh non-existent i would say but when when outlets and uh, and institutions start talking about truths in in the same way as individuals uh then there is a big risk of uh, fake news and fake information and alternative facts or whatever the phrase might be nowadays Where do you see us going uh, from this fake news? Yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm not very optimistic, no. uh, to be honest. And uh, I think that people like you and I, that, uh, you know, we, we talk about, well, yeah, we really want to understand the other side. We really want to understand the world. And there's a trend in this. But that is such a minority of people. Uh, and even the people that will listen to this podcast and the people that would, that we know and that live close to us, they are not representative of how this world thinks and works because we love getting our uh, opinions confirmed. I do as well. Everyone does. And as long as that drive will be this strong as it is now, we won't be, we will not be interested in how, what are, what is true and what is not. And, and, uh, we see, you know, protectionism and uh, it's such a complex world right now. It is really crazy right now, but 
And I'm also pessimistic, mm. short term. Everything is relative, but I think uh, the n- nearest four, eight, whatever years, mm. I'm, I'm thinking elections. Uh, we will uh, see a development of this uh, negative um, situation we have right now. I think people, like you said, there are many sides today, but our, our friends mm. uh, have one view and we see the craziness in it. Mm. I think the majority see it just as a funny, funny, it's really a funny period. It's mm. crazy time. So it's mm. not, I don't think it's like, really a pressing matter it's just like weird mm. but we will reach a point where it becomes dangerous mm. and it becomes um it becomes more of a threat and i think we will then switch and during this time we see interesting thinkers and people with interesting thoughts putting it out there mm. And it's out there to consume. So during mm. this crazy time, it's people are consuming the craziness, mm. but there's also people producing great material mm. and, and interesting, thoughtful material. Mm. So I think we will catch on. Mm. It will become cool and hip mm. to, to find the real truth, like the truth. Mm. truth. It, it will be like the norm. Uh, today, it's not norm. It's whatever is entertaining exactly most entertaining wins wins the presidential elections mm. and yeah wins what do you think will cause the turn i went my first thought went really really pessimistic war depression a great depression yeah um yeah i think i don't know war or but, but economic uh, depression yeah but real suffering globally it's like we're sl- sinking slower mm. in but some parts. Yeah, but we're still sinking. Yeah. Uh, and in that, that's the interesting part about that is everyone's not like, uh, there's always different um, categories. Mm. And I see other that are rising together. So yeah, I yeah. find that quite interesting. Like it's, mm. a, it's a bigger um, population of the world that's mm. sinking, but it also allows for a bigger... A population to rise if there is potential yeah. to rise and, and, and the right focus. We are too, I think, comfortable to be focused mm. right now, right here. Mm. Yeah, I think um, I think the problem with the depression, there are many problems with the depression uh, <laughs> by definition, but one of the problems in terms of uh, how the society will react, I think, is that we need to find someone to blame. And uh, it might be different cultures, it might be different uh, countries, it might be different trade unions, it might be whatever. That's so true. And Never uh, in a reflection. No, it's always to exactly find the, the, vic- yeah. the villain. Yeah. Because there is also a problem uh, with how we always try to rationalize everything that happens. Um, and since we need to rationalize everything that happens and, and never accept that something just happens because of uh, bad or good luck or uh, by chance. Um, It's also easy to lead that to a specific person, culture, uh, tweet, whatever it might be. Uh, But so when you say that the depression will make uh, us turn, I think that the, the depression will be the accelerator 
of the bad things. And then, perhaps, war. But I don't want to have a war because we have so fucking bad weapons now. <laughs> so, uh, and then I get, okay, so, but if we survive a big war, if we survive that, I think we need to start thinking about how we organize this planet and this world to, because I think everything needs to change. You know, you see just, just uh, how, if you just look close uh, in time and in, in life, Say that every truck driver is without a job in 10 years, five years. Um, it's not, the problem isn't that the truck driver doesn't drive a truck anymore. The problem is that the truck driver doesn't drive to the motel and the motel owner doesn't uh, go to the whatever. It's like it will be an inverse ripple effect that will just suck up all the capital into the most uh, in, richest already pockets. and. Uh, if we don't change then our taxation system, uh, the world will uh, burn. That brings I us think. to an interesting question. UBI, what's your thoughts on universal basic income? I think uh, there are no better alternatives right now. Uh, and I, I really think that we have to talk about it seriously. Uh, I'm not completely sure in how they want it to work and who gets and who doesn't. I know that the test in Finland wasn't uh, very successful. Uh, but there they gave people that had been without a job for, I think, two plus years, the alternative. And, uh, and they got to test this and it was like 800 euros per month. But then we, it was without any, any uh, performance, performance base. So you didn't have to uh, apply for jobs. You didn't have to do anything. So they want to test like people's intrinsic motivation and in how they can be uh, productive. Mm -hmm. If no one uh, tells them to come on, be productive. Um, and it wasn't successful, but there, I, once again, I don't see any other alternatives. I totally agree. I see like, that's what First, I think the solution, the, the, the biggest solution is uh, like mm. every individual. We were talking about the first answer, like going to the first answer is to blame someone. Mm. And then the second answer, you might find that there's, oh, wait, there's this. And the third answer, okay, it's me, basically. But as governments or as an institution, I see that as the only option or the only way to contribute to a solution. Yeah, but it's like... I don't, I don't know. It's so complex. Okay. If I give you then 800 euros and, and you live already outside of the city and you have no hope, it's not like you will, it will just, I don't, I don't, I, I see dark. I don't see this being applied today. I see this being applied after 5G after IOT, after not full automation, but more automation and uh, less need to, to actually work. Like, mm. yeah, there will be less jobs, but there will be no need to work. No. Everything will be so much cheaper that your 800 euros or whatever um, takes you so, mm. so it's, it's, it's not a solution for today. Yeah, I heard a theory about that exactly. So that's if, if there are no human labor, uh, producing things, 
You produce twenty four seven. Yeah, you produce twenty four seven. It's completely fully automated, automized, and it's only solar energy, and it's etc. Uh, etc. Et uh, so everything is more or less free. But then it then it's a question about ownership. So who owns this, and who, who invests in it, and uh, will they be so good so that they will not charge X uh, dollars for whatever? And who will control that? And if it is as it is now, that a very small proportion of people owns a lot of the capital, uh, you have to trust that they have good intentions. I haven't thought, seen it as going as far as everything is uh, for free, but I see it, the price is going down. Uh, but to that thought, what happens when you democratize investing, crowdfunding, and making it really easy to place your bets? Mm-hmm. And will that open up for people to have direct ownership in different stuff? I think, uh, I mean... On the side of this, all these, the last fall, all these tokens we're talking about. So, so uh, many blockchain projects, as I've understood it, they want to like create their own economical um, ecosystem uh, with tokens to incentivize specific behaviors or specific uh, activities. I think that might be a solution. I'm not uh, very bewildered in how it works. Uh, but, uh, I think if we will have our traditional fiat system, Mm -hmm. it will be a a complex challenge, (laughs) uh, with the UBI. To be honest, I, I... Let's actually, this is perfect for the concept. Let's, uh, keep thinking about it and continue the conversation next time. So these are my recurrent questions. Uh, I got seven so far. Uh, trying them out feels quite good. We'll see if I change them up. So, how much time do you dedicate on self-education? I would say at least one hour per day, um, mainly listening to podcasts within various topics. That was my second question. So what's your favorite source of information? You say podcast? Yeah, I would say podcast is my absolute favorite source of information uh, so far. Um, But if I find subjects uh, that they discuss in a podcast, I would buy a book. Yeah. Or if it's more practical, I, um, you know, you sign up to online courses and whatever it might be. On the topic. Yeah. So why podcast? I think... uh, it's it feels like you're in a conversation and when you're in a conversation you listen uh it's also that you can do an, uh, other things while you listen to podcasts you can work out you can you can do whatever uh cook clean um i can actually find myself answering uh, like exactly. i'm in the conversation yeah. so that's a really true thing you're brought into it more yeah what's your best hack for learning I think it is uh, that, that that you learn when you don't even think about learning. So if I go running, I listen to a podcast, mm. and then I all of a sudden know things about a topic that I didn't know that I knew about. Uh, so I would say that is my, my hack. 
And motion is also said to be good for learning, yeah. like walking, running. So my, my favorite question, if you were to write a book that would be read by, let's say, billions or all young ad adults uh, in the world, what would the title and subtitle be of that book? Yeah, um, I thought about that. Uh, and I, I think it would be something like, they're just humans or they're just people. And uh, then I think the subtitle will be how you change your life by changing other people's life. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. In, and uh, I think the book would then be about how, how we're driven by emotions, most people. And if you can affect someone's emotions positively, yeah. they will have a positive memory of you. And that will give you hopefully positive effects in your life in terms of that you will be welcome in different forums. Uh, you will get opportunities that you didn't, couldn't get based on only your skills. That's uh, very, I really hope you get the chance to write this book. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite books on this topic is Seven Habits. Mm. And it feels like you're playing to the same, but adapted to the today mm. and more do something like concrete. Yeah, there's also a book uh, by Dale Carnegie that's called uh, how to win friends and influence people exactly. uh, that is also a bestseller in that topic and a very good book very practical i hope you write your book <laughs> one day what are you eager to learn within the near future meditation mm -hmm. um, to be able to to do that on a, a more strict <laughs> basis uh or not strict i wouldn't say strict but yeah to get really? that routine exactly into my life in a more uh, more common where would you say that you are today i start and then i stop and then i approximately start approximately how many times a month like two times per week two times per week okay but i i wish i did it daily and i will follow up on that yeah and i i set a goal today okay that i will do it every day for the next 21 days every morning first thing in the morning do you have any application to uh, help you with that? No, I, I, I think that I would just uh, draw lines okay. on a notebook next and to my... Do you use something to meditate, like uh, an app yeah, headspace. or Headspace? Yeah. In Headspace, you can get like a streak, track okay. record. Oh. So uh, pick a friend, you can mm. pick me, that you will send your streak to. Ah. So if you break it... Oh, I... okay, I'll do it That's right now. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I'll make sure to keep you up to that. Mm. So when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused or have lost focus temporarily, uh, what do you do? I work out. Uh, I usually go running. Yeah. Um, You're a big runner. Uh, yeah, I like running, especially in the evening. If, if I'm stressed and it's like eight, nine o'clock and I feel like I have a lot of thoughts, then I turn on a podcast and I go running. And I only have to run for 25. I just need to do something physically because you shouldn't trust every thought that you have. Exactly. And uh, if you turn on a podcast and you start thinking about interesting things instead of uninteresting things and how you, whatever your issue might be for that day or your stress might be, uh, I think it's just better to zone out, go running, get activated, go home, take it from there. If it's still there, tackle it. If it's not, 
it wasn't an issue. I think it's never still there. Like no. running, it works every single <laughs> time. And like you said, uh, you shouldn't trust your thought. I think the problem is there's emotions attached to that thought mm. before you go running. Yeah. When you go running, you get all the emotions out and the, the endorphin kick in, mm. everything, and that em- emotion is gone and you just have the thought. Yeah, exactly. So the thought or the problem is then uh, detached from all the anxiety or the stress or whatever it might. So it's just a problem that you can solve, hopefully. It's it's almost like it. Yeah, it works every time. You come home and mm. all of a sudden you have to clean your kitchen. <laughs> you, even think, you know, it's like you get to double up. Um, yeah. So I go running, listen to a podcast when I get stressed. Great, man. It was great talking to you. I hope we do this again. I hope uh, this is usable. And yeah, we're getting better. This is incremental improvements. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to the Learnability Podcast, and I'm your host, Innocent Maginda. If you want to contribute to the platform or find previous episodes and additional material, you can do that at learnability.online learnability.online and oh yeah don't forget to subscribe